You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Good morning, Michael. Andre, I can't believe that you got up uh, this early on a Saturday. Yeah, we got up at 7 a.m. today. Uh, and we're not talking about Chardonnay for a change. Thank God. <laughs> we're actually just talking about wine in general. But, I mean, we are today talking about uh, a little Pinot Noir. And we made a phone call uh, because we had all kinds of weird technical difficulties to uh, Nicolas Patel. And um, you know what, Andre, just roll the thing and then we'll talk on the other end. Everybody's fine? Yeah, everything is fine. How about you? Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, finishing the vineyard now. And, uh, you know, just watch the winery next week because we'll have a, a very, very early uh, crop this year. Yeah. It's how early? How early is early? It's like 20 August. Holy wow. smoke. So it, yeah, it looks like very, very early. Um, but, um <clears throat> Yeah. And how are things looking this year? How are your uh, yields and the quality of fruit? So um, it's been it's been pretty pretty cool from the start. It was early spring, and then we get a, a very very good growing season. Flowering was very quick, which means it you know we, we flowered in what two days, so very very quick. Uh, that means that we have no disease. So there's a pressure about the audience, but no no mildew. Uh, I think it won't be any but try this because when you pick in August, you know, it's like it's like California. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty strange. That's insane. But um Yeah, it looks it looks very very Is is this your earliest harvest ever? Uh, yeah, because yeah, two thousand three I think I, I I started 22 or 23. Okay. So that, that would be the, the, the earliest. I'm not sure we really start the 20s, but I'm ready for that. Well, well the you know, re- in case it's, everything is going fast. The, um, the reason that I wanted to talk to you, apart from what sounds like is going to be a very good year in, in Burgundy, was uh, about a month ago. I purchased uh, Maison Roche de Belen, uh, Collection Belenem Gevry Chambertin Village from the year 2000. Yes. And when, yes. when I opened the bottle on my uh, table, I shared it with my sister in law and, and my wife. And I posted a picture on Instagram. And I had a few people ask me, why wasn't the wine brown? Why was there a brand new cork in it? So I, I called your agent, uh, Nicholas Pierce, to find out how this wine came to be. And he told me a pretty interesting story. So, Nico, where did this wine come from? Where did this wine come from? So, first things, uh, you know, I come from a, a family who, who did, a, who did a, you know, great wines in Burgundy back in the 60s and 70s and everything. And, you know, when, when I was a child, we, we used to drink all those wines. And uh, I've been raised, you know, as a, you know, drinking and, and testing wine from, from the past. So when my father passed away and I started my own business, uh, I went to see all my friends, they have stock, and I started to buy wine for myself, for my seller. And I had, you know, having wine, especially for my customers, when they, when they used to come for dinners and lunches and everything, I didn't have any old wine anymore. So I created a sort of, you know, 
uh, wine storage for for that events and uh, I, I bought wine back to the fifties. Holy smoke! And then, yeah, lo- yeah, a long time ago that was like ninety eight and ninety nine. And then uh, my my customers start said to me, uh, you know, can you find wine for us? You know, as you know, you put your selection label or something on it, and then uh, and then you can sell the wine. So I find some great sellers and I start to. To make to create this, this label at the time it used to be selection hotel and it was very simple and uh, and when I left uh, the company back in 2008 I kept all the contracts and uh, I find some new ones since but what I changed at the time is I find a lot of wines when you test them you know when you buy a case and the 12 balls are very different and uh, you know I was talking with sommeliers uh, talking with a lot of customers said to me, you know, we can't have that. I mean, it's too complicated for us. So what we do now, we always test at least 12 to 20 balls on every lot we're buying. Mm-hmm. And if we, we, we do analysis on every balls, and we have a sort of a standard, you know, testing nuts and things with uh, levels and SO2 and things. And if it doesn't fit in what we want, what, what we want then we we take out the cork, we test every balls, put it in the tank, we filter it, and we're bottling again. So it's a second, you know, it's second uh, for some of the wine, not all of the wine, but especially for the Jevre, that was a six thousand balls or five thousand balls. Wow, cuvee, you know, at the time. And uh, so we we did few lots like this, uh, you know, to. Uh, uh, you know, when, when I started, a lot of the wine were perfect, in great condition, and then uh, you know you, you're getting older, and um, and now I don't know if it's the cork or if it's the bottling time, you know. But in general, uh, the wines looks, you know, too uneven, you know, too uh, too different to make um, to make uh, you know one case looks the same. So. So that's that's a fact. So some of the wines, we recork them only with okay. you know sulfur. Okay. So if the variation is not great, but we we have a missing of sulfur, then we add sulfur. You know, with a pipette, few drops. We go to the analysis. We have the numbers, and then we we do the things. And then, and then some of the wine we just you know open and rebottle it. For me, it's a guarantee of you know of you know event quality. So you're not re-fermenting uh, or anything like that. You're just you're just no, tanking it, no, filtering it, well, making sure it's stable and, and clean and good, and yeah. then and then and yeah. then bottling it again. Well, so I just bought last week. I bought I bought three lots. Okay, that's coming on the market. Uh, you know, from the time I find the lots and the time I, I put the wine in the market, at least it's six to seven maybe 10 months because <laughs> we test, we decide that we're buying, then we bring the wine in the winery, then we test again at 20 wine, you know, 20 bars. And then from that, we decide what we're doing. And then, uh, you know, it takes always six on time. So if, if we just add sulfur, we just change the cork, you know, then we don't test the bars because we didn't find any problems on the 20 bars. But if we have, you know, cork bars, uh, unsulfured wines because because the cork leaks or something, whatever, 
then, then we test everything. <laughs> then we put in, we have a special tank with gas, azote, and everything. Uh, we, you know, and then, and then we do analysis, and then we do if we need a filtration. But then, uh, you know, on that lot, you have a guarantee of zero, zero TCA because we test everything. Wow. Well, it's, okay, that's, that's good news. Um, so, we, so we take all the cold bottles out, you know, and uh, we do with silver, with just two of us. You know, when you do 5,000 bottles a day, mm-hmm. you know, of <laughs> recorking or something, yeah. uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know what is a cork bottles, trust me. <laughs> so what's, and, the, what's, the, what's the oldest lot you've ever, you've ever got? Uh, the oldest, it's still... On the list is a Volnesantno 1959. I still have some, few balls. It's pretty expensive now. <laughs> I imagine. Uh, those ones, we, we, we don't record those ones. We don't touch those ones. So, uh, how, you know. so how common uh, is this in, in, in Burgundy that uh, the Domen just have lots of old wine lying around waiting to be purchased? Uh, so many, out of, when I start, the first thing was retiring. People, you know, in, in Burgundy used to be, in France, sorry, in France, until the 70s, uh, uh, you, could, you could be a, a special um, uh, tax reform thing. So it was like, if you don't do so much, you know, on, on your winery, then everything you sell, there's no tax on it. But you can't go, you know, up to 100,000 euros, for example, or 80,000 euros, something like that. So a lot of those guys, you know, they kept the wine, they kept the wine, they kept the wines because if they if they went up that line, you know, they used to to sell uh, to to pay tax. So what they did, they they kept a lot of wine in the cellar for the future, you know. And now they still have the, you know, they're still allowed to to sell 80,000 of wine, 80,000. Euro of wine, sorry, <clears throat> with no tax, you know, and that pay the, the retirement. So is it is it have generally a, the smaller domain then that that do this? Where if you have like a really good year and you end up with extra wine, it's just about saving the tax. Yeah, or, or just just because you know the price of the wine went up and up and up, and 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 the the platform, you know, the, the you know how you said the platform, you know. Um, but the, the highest you can do is maybe 80,000 euros, you know, so 80,000 euros you go very quick, you know, so and, uh, but they kept the wines and they, they resell them, you know, year after year. Uh, I've got a winemaker, I'm, I'm working with him since 25 years now. So it's cooler, you know, yes. and, uh, and, he, he, and I know he has a lot of wine still in his cellar, you know, for but that, that's the way. And then after that, you've got like people who, you know, divide the domains and they divide the stock. So one of the brother, he's, I don't know, one of one of my my uh, winemaker family. He was in Milan in Italy. Okay. So he couldn't take care about the stock, you know. So he called me and he said, oh, I know that you're looking for all wine. I've got all these all wines, and I know that you used to buy wine from us. So. You want the stock and say okay, so we sign a contract and he let me, you know, selling the wine for, you know, five or six years. <laughs> it was like sixty thousand bars of wine. So back to the '96, only Grand Cru and Premier Cru. Well, somebody's got to do it, and it might as well be you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a question uh, that that 
also mystified me though was um, the color of the wine. Like the 2000 Gevry uh, Chambertin Village that I bought was still like young and vibrant and quite red. Like it hadn't gotten that brown tinge to it uh, quite as bad as I would expect a 20 year wine. Um, like how are people storing these these wines? Like what are the conditions that they're stored in? Oh, well, uh, first of the things, uh, we always buy from the domain. So we never buy wines from merchants. So the wine has to come from the cellar. Uh, one of the very important part of, of bottling and, and cellaring is, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, to have the wines in the cellar, the wines never move, it's in the dark and in great conditions. That's very, very important. You know, I, when I buy my champagne, when I buy my champagne, I don't, I don't bring them. I, I ask the winemakers to keep the, the champagne in, 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 their, in their cellars with the bidule, you know, and when I need my bottle of champagne, I call them like a month before, and then they do récemment dégorger for me. So I still have 95, and I still have 98, 2000 in, in cellars in champagne. And when I need some, some champagne, I just call them, and I just do récemment dégorger for me. Uh, for me, it's so important. I mean, if you want to keep wines, you need to keep the wines in a great, great condition. I don't keep nearly any wines in my winery. Mm. You know, I prefer to have the wines at the wineries. And then uh, one of the things about the color, it's very important. It's, we refill and we add sulfur. You know, this is very, very important. It's like in Bordeaux, you know, in Bordeaux, they have stock of the old vintages, every chateau, but they record them all the time. You know, and every, they, they check all the time, you know. The people uh, who, don't, who don't record them, the wines are dead. You can't keep a thousand bottles from 1865 if you don't take care about, you know. Basically. So uh, a lot of the wines that that coming from, you know, the great negotiant house or the great chateau, if you buy wine from the chateau, if you have the chance, then uh, it's been recorked maybe three or four times. This this whole you this know? whole story is uh, is 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 fascinating. Like I didn't know that this part of the industry existed until I bought this wine and and, and asked a few questions. So uh, yeah. I know my mind's a little bit blown that there's just old batches of wine sitting around in Burgundy uh, because people were hoping to to save some tax money. And as a consumer, we get a chance to taste old wines if you're impatient like me and don't age wines as long as you could yeah uh, i think it's two two different things i mean collecting wines and tasting wines today and drinking all wines is a you know uh, two faces of the testing or two faces of the wine industry uh me i did it because i love it and I, and you know when i was at puzo in 91 92 we we recorked all the old wines from the cellar you know because uh, the cork were dead and, you know, the wines needed a little bit of sulfur to, to keep it. And when I left Pouzor, the wines were all recalled. Uh, I think it's very, very interesting that a lot of people didn't care about, you know, when I buy wine sometimes, if the, if, if the winery never, never, never look at the wine, then it's a disaster. Because a lot of sellers, you know, they have sand. And all the small animals who, who, you know, who live in the cork, they start from the sand. Interesting. With the wood. Yeah, you, you know, and then you have, you've got butterflies in the cellar. Little butterf- butterfly. 
who make worms inside the cork, and then the worms eat the cork, and then the butterfly. Well, that's and then when you have that in the cellar, you're dead. I mean, all your cork will, will die. You this see? is all this so, is all very sad but, to listen to all this wine dying in people's cellars. Yeah, you, you know, I know one of the best wine I've ever tasted in my life is a Bonne Village. Bonne Village, I tested six times, 1904. Uh, it was my neighbor. I went to see him, and he has a uh, 600 bottles of it. And uh, he never, never looked at the cork. Okay. So we took out the six, five, it was maybe five or something, but we took out, you know, all the bars. I said to him, okay, I really want to buy some from you and, and to collect and things. We find only 60 good bars. Wow. All the other wines were empty. Yeah. You see? So I said to him, why do you keep wine for 100 years and you don't care, you don't care about it? You know, it's like putting a great painting outside on on the sun. You know, or, you know what I mean? Just like well, Andre, take you your paintings doing, in now. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, I, I think I think it is interesting though to, to listen to to Nico talk about how important it is to store your wine in the proper conditions, whether it's uh, a winery in Burgundy, or I mean, you're fortunate enough to have your cellar, but I'm always aware of the fact that I don't have a proper cellar and my wines are aging quicker than they would yeah. be if I had proper proper storage and, and definitely not as well. And, you know, since we have Nico and, and you know, not everybody can afford, what was it, Andre, you paid what for that bottle of wine you said? $62. And it's actually the most uh, uh, affordable of the Collection Bellanem that's on the market because there's also a uh, Les Charmes Merceau Premier Cru from 2005 and... Uh, a Latissière Chambertin Grand Cru from the year 2000. Both are respectively 175 and 278 dollars. And so, so let's let's really quickly ask Nico about the the more affordable one, which is about 24 bucks. So this yeah. is the one that's on market, the Maison Roche de Belline uh, Cuvée Reserve. Uh, 2018 is the current vintage that we have here. Uh, Nico, do you want to say anything about that wine? So this is. This is a very important wine for us because this, you know, this is the entry of the winery, and this is, I think, Bourgogne, uh, generic Bourgogne should be, you know, very affordable and very, um, very, uh, come on, very complex wines for for little wines. But what we do, what we try to do, is we try to buy wines from all the coast. Okay, so from Marange to Vaud Romanet, so we buy from large. Uh, um, going from 25 years old to maybe uh, 60, 70 years old vineyards. And then the vinification is very, very, very simple because we want to keep the freshness, the fruit, you know, the intensity. We don't look for high color. In the last years, we do have good colors, but we never look for, you know, very dark color and things. And then we do élevage, but the élevage is, uh, is made in, in 600 liters. So it's not small barrels, it's big barrels. And, and they're... I love them because they, uh, they they bring the reduction to the wines, which means that the wines keep the freshness and keep this fruit intensity. And then we keep it for 15 months, a little bit more. And then uh, and then we rack and we do a light filtration now with a new new system of filtration and then bottling. 
then the wine go after a few months in, in the market. So you should have 18 coming now. Uh, I just shipped the 18. So, yep, so no, it's I'm, definitely I'm, here. You, you have the 17. Yeah, voilà, you have the 17 in shot now. And then 18 is coming in a, in a few weeks. No, it's 18 is oh. there now. The 18 is there now. We're drinking the 18. 18 is here now. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, it's, that's, uh, the one, that's the one I tried. I, I was I was pretty pleased to, to taste it because the only affordable Burgundy that's on the market in, in Toronto are generally from the larger Négociant. And I mean, they do a good job. There's a reason why they can sell the wines for that price, but it's just nice to be able to support a smaller producer at that price and get a real taste of Burgundy. Maybe something to convince Michael to spend $60 on uh, on something different. And then, and then something like this. How long? Uh, how long do you recommend holding onto it? Uh, two, three years, or is it a like drink it now and and pound it back kind of? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, the idea of the wine is for the for the next two years, and you know we keep a very low SO2, and we try to have something very very fresh. But but we just test 2015. We got some customers uh, yesterday, and and the wines took you know an hour to come out, but then it was beautiful. So yeah, the wine can stay. You know, three to five years. Three to five, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for giving us the time. Um, I guess, like, full disclosure, we tried to interview you earlier this week, but we foolishly uh, booked the interview during Bastille Day, and you were busy cooking up a storm when we tried to call you, but... (laughs) I, I appreciate you storming the Bastille. I appreciate you giving us the time on uh, on a on a Saturday morning, like a Saturday afternoon. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. And That's hopefully, great. hopefully, we see you soon in a post-COVID world, either uh, in Burgundy or um, down in in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, hello to everyone in Toronto, and hope to see you very very soon. Andre, um, I know you were you were interested in that how he gets the wine story, but uh, uh, some of his side tangents and I and I think um, Burgundy. I see where I see where Thomas gets this uh, tangent thing, um, <laughs> having spent time in Burgundy. Uh, but uh, some of his side stories were really cool. The thing about the butterflies and the worms eating corks and the 1904 wine and and all that. Uh, all of it. All of it. Um, I mean. Like I've been, I've been writing for a little while, and I would never pretend. I hell, I'm not even comfortable with uh, when other people call me experts when they put me on the radio or TV to talk about it. But like, I learned this morning. That was uh, like that was really a really interesting conversation. Um, I, and, you, I, and you don't learn easy, so that's interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Always, always nice to know that I, that you uh, you've got my back. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. You don't learn easy. That's that's what I heard. If if you if you have the money, I definitely recommend checking out the the year two thousand Collection Bellenem uh, Jevry Chambertin. Um, On the other hand, the $24 bottle is a, is a great entry-level Bourgogne, uh, and uh, it's the Cuvée Reserve. It's $23.95, and you know what? That's that's a perfectly uh, decent, good bottle of Burgundy that's not going to embarrass you anywhere. And, totally, and, 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 has, and has some aging potential. I found the tannin a little high in the – like a little um, – Let's just say a little bit aggressive in the 2018 when I opened it, but uh, I mean, toss in a decanter or leave the bottle open for a bit. You'll you could beat it to submission, but I mean, buy a couple. It'll be interesting bottles. to uh, to age it. I bought a, another bottle, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna age it and and uh, maybe we'll try it again in a couple of years. You could just gotta remind me, or else I'll lose it somewhere in the cellar. Maybe you can uh, pull it out, check the cork, and resell it for a profit. 
I don't think that's the kind of wine he's talking about. <laughs> I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. Uh, make sure you check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine. Uh, we always appreciate the support. doesn't take a lot of money to keep the podcast going, but it does take a little bit. So your consideration is greatly appreciated. Also, we have a, a new uh, Instagram page. Oh, God. Uh, if you want to see so... our ugly mugs and give us the likes, we'll keep doing it for the gram. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be doing some of that, uh, just kind of building the page at the moment. So uh, old uh, old um, podcasts will be going up. So uh, we'll be revisiting some of our favorites. Anyway, I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And as always, no, wait. Yeah, it's the first morning. thing in the morning. Anyways, do what you got to do. Oh, uh, let me try it again. Good morning and welcome to Two Guys Talking Wine. Oh, wait, that. I'm already it's finished. the end. Yeah, oh. We're done. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.